0: Hey, thanks for joining us here at the Vineyard Church Podcast. For more video messages and content, make sure to visit our website, vineyardwheeling.com, or download our app. There's a lot of great resources there that are free and will help you grow closer to God and help you connect with the church. Right now, let's go to our lead pastor, Chris Figaretti for this week's message. Well hello everyone, welcome to Vineyard Online. I am so fired up to be with you today and so fired up to talk about what's coming in the next week and what's coming in the next four weeks as we prepare for the election. We're in a series we're calling How Not To Be A Jackwagon and I'm gonna get to that in just a minute, but something big is happening this week. This is our last week of meeting outside at the waterfront. And I want to give you a little bit of the story of how we've gotten to here and where we're going from there, Um, where we're going from here, I guess. You know, uh, back in March when they announced COVID and, and locked everything down, we had been talking about that possibility for over a month as a church staff and preparing to do church online and we moved to church online and... Everybody came along. It's, it was really, it worked incredibly well. But by the time we got to summer, we decided let's get together. Everybody together, but let's do it outside because people will generally feel safe to gather outside." And that worked incredibly well, too. And we met, have been meeting at the waterfront ever since. Heritage Port and Wheeling. And that's gone incredibly well. And so we've had hundreds and hundreds of people meeting at the waterfront and hundreds and hundreds of people meeting online, with, with church online. And it's actually been a time of growth for our church. It's been kind of surprising that way. Um, and now that we're running out of warm weather, Uh, People have had questions, what do we do from here? Now you're watching Church Online, so I'm going to assume that most of you uh, tune into Church Online every week, and you need to know that Church Online is not going away. Uh, Church Online will continue, and as I announced a few weeks ago, we're going to do something called Church at Home. And there's been some questions about what's the difference between church online and church at home. And it's basically this. Let me make this absolutely clear. Church online is a a solo experience. You know, you pull up the computer, you watch the the service, and it's great if you don't have anybody else that you can gather with, okay? And that's not going away. That's going to stay. But my encouragement to you if you're a regular church online person, or you're involved in the Vineyard in any way, is don't do church alone. Do church at home. And church at home is going to be, uh, it's a different video feed that you'll, you'll get access to uh, and it's designed for a group experience at home, not a solo experience at home. So if you've been doing church alone, don't do church alone anymore. Plan on doing church at home and find one or two other people. Jesus said, where two or three people are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. And, and, and so that's really what we're talking about. It, it, we have some groups that are going to be larger than that. But if you're worried about how do, how do I get all those people together and how do I... Just, you know, grab, grab a relative, grab a neighbor, grab a coworker, grab a friend or grab a couple people that you would like to do life with and do church at home. But you got to let us know and I'll tell you how to do that here in just a minute. Now, another question that I've gotten along the way is when can I sign up for a group? And um, th- there's... there's kind of a nuance to that question. People are used to us having life groups and being able to sign up randomly and show up at somebody's house or show up at somebody's group. We're not doing that this time, guys. We're in the middle of a pandemic, and people generally don't want strangers showing up at their house. So if you haven't found a group that's getting together that you can be a part of, then you need to find one or two other people, maybe in the church, maybe people outside the church, but get them together and put your own group together. We're not going to have a list of groups that you can sign up for, and that's because of the times that we live in. Uh, and, and it gives us an opportunity to reach out rather than kind of turn inward. It gives you an opportunity to reach out. I encourage you to do that. Um, another question we got is, is, what does church at home look like? What's it going to look like? Well, it looks like you know, a couple hours on Sunday morning. It doesn't have to be Sunday morning, but we're going to encourage Sunday morning because that's a good habit to keep going. Uh, but a couple hours... Have everybody over, hang out, socialize for the first 15 minutes, talk about your week, what's going on in your life. Start the church at home video and watch the service. There's going to be an opportunity to, to sing together. The sermon's going to be part of that. And, um, and then when, the sermon, when all that is over, share a meal together. And, and I want to encourage you, don't cook a meal for everybody. Have everybody bring something, right? It's kind of a pot, the old-style potluck community meal. And uh, share that meal together and have a conversation over the meal about what you heard during the sermon and the, and the church service and how that applies to your life. And, you know, a couple hours, some good conversation, some good food, some good fellowship. And, guys, it's, it's going to be something that you're going to look forward to every week once you get going with this. Um, Another question uh, that we're getting is, how big does my group have to to be? And again, I just want to emphasize, it can be as big as 15 people. It can be as small as two or three. It really is up to you, but don't do church alone. Do church at home. So guys, the the church online folks, you are watching this. I am encouraging you to take a step from doing church online to church at home. Um, another question that we've gotten a lot over the last couple of weeks is uh, will we get together again as a greater congregation and do big church again, like at the Capitol or back at the waterfront? And that is entirely our plan. Absolutely, we want to do that. We just don't know when that's going to happen because we don't have a crystal ball and we don't know what's going on with, with COVID. But as soon as it makes sense to do that and fears are settled and people will come back, then, then we're going to be back at that again as well. Uh, another question we've gotten is, are Thursdays required? And, and that, that ties into, we're going to do our, our broadcast recording on Thursday evening, and we're going to run through the entire church service on Thursday evening, and hosts, church at home hosts, are invited to come and be a part of that. And I would encourage you to come and be a part of that because we're gonna coach you and uh, support you and pray for you and encourage you. It's gonna be a really good thing for hosts, but it is not required. We will also have an online option to kind of dial in and participate online if you can't get to the church building on Warden Run Road on Thursday nights. But it is not a requirement. Don't let that keep you from hosting. Um, Another question that we're getting a lot is what about the technology? I'm not really a tech person. Can I make that work? And the answer is absolutely yes you can. Uh, We've bent over backwards to make sure the tech is as simple as possible and you'll be able to engage and, and make that work and show on your television and and, and all of that. In fact, you don't even need to have an, a high-speed internet connection. It is su- super helpful if you do, uh, but you don't have to. We've got, a, got ways to get you uh, the service regardless. Now, the important thing you need to know and that we need to know um, is that you're going to do this. You need to let us know and you need to sign up. And you can do that just by texting the word CONNECT to 304 Two four two zero four six three, 242-0463, and if you do that, you'll get a link back, and that will take you to a page on our website. You click on that, and you can sign up uh, to host, and then we're going to do some trainings over the next couple of days. We're going to be doing a training on Tuesday night uh, this week and a training on Thursday night this week that you can come to, and you can get the link and all the information that you need and help with the technology, and we'll get you up to speed so you can be successful at being a church-at-home Host, I hope you'll do it. We've got lots of people signed up already. It's going to be an amazing, amazing journey. And guys, this positions us to reach more and more people as we go, and I am so excited about that. So thank you, and uh, let's buckle up. This, is, this begins next week. Well, we're in a series we're calling How Not to Be a Jack Wagon. You know, we looked at uh, the calendar last year at this time and said, you know, I think the country might be a little, a little off kilter come next year at this time because we're going into an election and we know that it's going to be a you know, somewhat heated situation, a very divisive situation, and the people of God need to respond and, uh, in, in a good way, not a bad way. We need to not be jackwagons. Now, the first, first question that people have when they hear the term jack wagon is simply, what is a jackwagon?" So I looked it up in the dictionary and it's not in there. Uh, but then I went to Wiki Dictionary and I found this, and I think it's a pretty good definition of what a jack wagon is. It is an objectionable person, a jerk, or a jackass. Now, I don't know if I'm allowed to say jackass in church, but I just did, and that is a pretty good definition of what a jack wagon is. It's a polite way to say, Jackass, okay? So we don't want to do that. We don't want to do that. We don't want to be a jack wagon. And there's a bigger problem because I think as a society, we look at the people around us and we think everybody's a jack wagon as well. And that leads to other problems as we'll talk about today. Guys, we have a jack wagon problem in our country right now. Half the country sees the other half of the country as jack wagons. Four years ago, Hillary Clinton uh, said of Trump supporters, "They're they're deplorables." You know, half the country are, are deplorables. I mean, it's just another way, kind of highfalutin way to say they're jackwagons, they're idiots, they're they don't th- their opinion doesn't count, right? And then for the last four plus years, Trump has been calling people on the other side of the political aisle the radical left, like the, you know they're they're all extremists and, 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 and all of that. And, and, there, and reality is, there are some jack wagons in this world. I mean, please don't hear me say that there aren't. There are, but it's not, it's not a 50-50 split. It feels like it's a 50-50 split. Like half the country looks at the other half of the country and thinks, those people are idiots, and it f- feels that way. If you spend time on social media, it feels that way for sure. But the reality is, there's a small percentage of people in our world who are actually jack wagons. Like, if you are a true white supremacist, and what I mean by that is you actually think that the color of your skin makes you superior to other people, then you're a jack wagon. You are, um, and, and there's, but it's a small number of people. I've yet to meet anybody like that in my personal interactions. And, and if you think that, that the, the teachings of Karl Marx and, uh, and and communism is a good idea and we should burn down the United States of America and replace it with a, a Marxist utopia. Then you're a jackwagon too, because I mean that has never worked anywhere for the last 150 years. It has killed over a hundred million people. It has led to misery and oppression and tyranny and, and genocide and all I mean it, every time it's tried, it, fails and it oppresses and kills people. So, yeah, but guys, small number of people, but it feels like it's a 50-50 split. And it's very, very heated. Uh, And and, and so how do we navigate that? As the church, how do we navigate that? And what does God want from us in the midst of it? And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to help you through the next three weeks, through the election uh, and beyond, and I want to help you well beyond that. I want to help you through Thanksgiving dinner and Christmas dinner and how to be a blessing with your family and, and all of that. And, and so that's what this series is really all about. But we are at a very critical moment in history, I believe. You know, and on October 7th, just a, a week or so ago, uh, Arizona Business Magazine ran an article that uh, was titled this, Another Civil War? Question mark. And, the, and the, the subtitle was, poll shows majority of Americans worry about it, worry about another civil war. And the article opens this way, it says, a groundbreaking back to normal barometer survey for the first time finds 61% of Americans agree with the concern that the U.S. could be on the verge of another civil war. That is stunning, guys. That's two-thirds, almost two-thirds, of the American population thinks we're on the verge of another civil war. That's stunning. That is is a big, hairy deal. Now, the the article goes on. It says, additionally, 52% of consumers have also stockpiled food or essential goods in anticipation of social unrest tied to a resurgence of COVID-19 in the coming months and or the election. There's a lot of anxiety around this next election, and if I, if I would put my money on social unrest or disruption, I'd put it on the election, not on COVID-19, but that's just me. Uh, But that's real, and that's what people were feeling, two-thirds of the population. My question is, what what happened to the 9% of the people? you got 62% 62%, or 61% saying it's going to happen, and 52% preparing. There's 9% that are just kind of not doing anything. They're in La La Land, but whatever. That's another sermon for another day. Rich the, the one of the gentlemen who put this survey together, said this about this survey on on civil war. He said, this is the single most frightening poll I've ever been associated with. And it is. I mean, it's terrifying. Uh, How did we get to this point? And what do we do about it? What what does the church do about it? What do Christians do about it? And, And here's my fundamental conviction on this, guys. If we, as followers of Jesus, can live like Jesus taught, we can lead the way out of this mess for our culture and our society. We can save our society if we will follow Jesus and not just the winds of what everybody is saying out there in the culture. But in order to do that, we have to understand how we ended up here in the first place because it wasn't always this way. In fact, if you're over 30 years old, You remember a time when people would disagree and not hate each other, and not just write the other person off or attack them on social media. It hasn't always been this vile and divided. Uh, And I've been asking myself now for a couple of years, how how is it that two intelligent people, two people from similar backgrounds, the same culture, I mean, we're all Americans, uh, educated people, how can they look at the same exact thing and see two completely different things? And we see this all the time. I mean, we see this in the in the news today. We have uh, you know, one person will look at the at the uh, unrest and the and the protests in the streets and they'll see peaceful protests. And somebody else will look at it and they will see riots and looting and insurrection. They're looking at the same thing. How do they How do they come to two completely different? Conclusions, how does one person look at the President of the United States and see the greatest enemy of the state the country has ever had, and another person, a good-hearted people on both sides, look at the same man and see the savior of the nation? How do you get there? How do One person will look at him and see a, cr- a criminal, and, and another person will look at him and see the person who's going to clean up all the crime in Washington. How is it that, that one person can look at what's going on with COVID-19 and see something on par with the plague and be scared out of their minds, and another person can look at the same situation and see something that's on par with the flu and not be worried much about it at all? How can one person look at the topic of abortion and see, see it as a, uh, all about a woman's right to choose her own direction in life and somebody else looks at it and sees sees it as taking of a human life and not be able to have a conversation or meet in the middle on that. How do we get to that point? And and, and and you know, in my conversations with people on these topics and other topics, what I find is people assume that everyone sees what they're looking at the way that they do. You know, conversations. I had a conversation the other day with somebody who was a uh, assumed that I was a Joe Biden supporter, and uh, I mean, they just went off, blah blah, Trump this, Trump that, blah blah, and 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 because in their mind, how could you come to any other conclusion? And I've had conversations um, with Trump supporters who have gone off and had the same assumption about Joe Biden, and and, and I'm like, how can you be? Like, don't you know you live in a world where people have different opinions? But, but they don't because they can't even imagine how the other side would have come to that conclusion. And I'm a thinking person, so I had to have come to the same conclusion that they have. But here's what, I've, here's what I've come to understand, guys. And here's what we all need to understand if we're going to navigate this thing and we're going to lead the way out of it. And that's this. People are not looking at the same things. They're, we're not looking at the same things we're not looking at the same data we're not looking at the same stories we're not looking at the same sources we have a, as a culture over i don't know the last 10 or 15 years have grown apart because we have been we have walked into our own echo chambers as the sociologists call it Echo chamber is, is basically this. We surround ourselves with information sources that affirm what we already know to be true or believe to be true. We, we, um, uh, it's also called confirmation bias. We look for, we look for things that will affirm and c- confirm what we already believe. And so if I, if I have a conservative bent I'm watching Fox News. If I have a a more liberal bent, I'm watching MSNBC or CNN, something along those lines. And and here's the deal. And this is this was the light bulb went on for me not not too long ago. Uh, you're very subtly. I mean, they'll look at the same story but present different sides of it so that you will come to different conclusions depending on what your sort echo chamber is, your information silo, and we move further and further in, in those directions and further and further apart. Now, this is very important, and it's important that you hear, hear me in this. Whatever news source you have, whatever leaning you have, uh, your news source is incomplete. Your news sources income. You're not getting the whole picture. You're getting part of the picture. And that's true if you're reading the newspaper. It's true if you're watching television or cable news. And it's true if you're on social media. A couple months ago, there was a new documentary that came out on, on, uh, on Netflix called The Social Dilemma. And a bunch of people who actually helped build... Facebook, and Google, and, and, and the, the, the tech world uh, have left that world and have basically said, we have created a monster, and uh, they've kind of pulled down the veil. I highly recommend it. It's called The Social Dilemma. It is worth checking out. But one of the things that they lay out in this, this documentary is that you can be looking at your phone, and your friend can be looking at their phone, and you see two completely different things. Uh, and what they do is they, they, they tie into this, this echo chamber idea and they feed you more and more and more of what you want to hear because you'll click on those things more and more and more and that's how they make money. And what this has served to do, uh, if traditional media doing that wasn't enough, what this has served to do is just put us completely in isolated places. And we look at people on the other side and we shake our heads and we go, those people were a bunch of jackwagons. And that's a logical conclusion. If you think your news feed is all there is to the story that you're looking at and you've got your, you've got your uh, uh, information and you've drawn your conclusions and the other person's looking at something completely different coming to a different conclusion, but you don't know they're looking at something different. They're just coming to a different conclusion. Obviously, they're a jackwagon. And when the other person is a jackwagon, guys, that's dehumanizing, they're, they're, they're an idiot, they, 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 they don't count. We are in a very dangerous place. There's no bridging that gap, it pushes us further apart. And it's okay, once somebody isn't really a human, they're a jack wagon, to then not treat them as a human being. That's the next step from where we are right now. It's a very dangerous situation. And it's a very dangerous situation for our country as well. Jesus explains this in Matthew 12, verse 25. He says this, Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. Let me read that again. Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. And every city or household divided against itself will not stand. Guys, we're in a precarious spot. Instead of conversations we write one another off. Instead of seeking to understand one another, we just dehumanize each other. We lash out at each other on social media. We tear each other apart. And there is no no desire even to understand, just to be understood. And somebody's got to break that cycle. And I believe, I believe at the core of who I am, that God wants the Christians, He wants us to break this cycle. You know, we as a nation, we're not as far apart as it feels. You know, a lot of this division is, is, um, is perception. Um, and, and, and we're still brothers and sisters. Um, and I think if we all sat down and looked at the same data sources and looked at the big picture, we'd probably 80% of us would probably come to similar conclusions. But even though that's the case, there is a chasm to heal. There's some some damage to undo. And that's, I believe, part of our role in our culture, guys. So I want to just talk about today two ways to not be a jack wagon. But I thought it was important that we understand how we got to where we are before we jump into this. So the first way to not be a jack wagon is simply this. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Own that you don't see the whole picture. You don't see everything. You don't know all the data. You're only getting part of the story. And then after you humble yourself and you get in touch with that reality, break out of your silo. Break out of your information silo, your echo chamber. Seek out other sources of information. Read the other side, watch the other side. Maybe you need to start listening to Rush Limbaugh if you're, if you're a uh, Keith Oberman fan or, or something along, or, or vice versa, uh, and try and get an understanding and, and, and try and get the bigger picture of the stories that you're looking at. And, and, and have conversations with people instead of attacking them on social media. Give them a phone call. I know that's old school phone call. Who does that anymore? But get, you know, what's help me understand how you came to that conclusion, and have a civil conversation and listen, seek to understand more than you seek to be understood. Ask good questions, and don't be argumentative. That's part of what all of this has led to. Is we've all just kind of been pushed into these corners where we just want to argue and fight. Guys, let's not do that. That is not biblical. That's not how Jesus taught us to live. Humble yourself and expand your horizons. The second way to not be a jack wagon um, is, is simply this. It's to pray. It's to pray. I know that sounds simplistic. That's like you know the answer is Jesus. Well, the answer is you know, in one way is prayer. And in fact, in the weeks to come, I feel like God has given me three things. Prayer is the first. We'll talk about the other two in the weeks to come. But but prayer is the foundation of not being a jackwagon. As we've learned, uh, we in September we did. We started a prayer challenge called the 714 Project. There were over a thousand of us praying every day, twice a day, praying with a prayer partner, fasting, um, reading the book uh, Draw the Circle by Mark Batterson and, and, and uh, several other things. And if you hadn't participated in that, uh, you can go back. You can find that sermon series on our website at vineyardwheeling.com. And, and I'd encourage you to at least watch the first one and pick up the book and go through that process. Uh, but we learned some really important things about prayer. We learned that prayer is the difference between what we can do and what God can do. And we live in times where we need God to do big things. We need to be praying. Uh, we learned that prayer is how we best hear from God. As we connect with Him on a regular basis, our ears tune in better to hear His voice and His direction. And we need that. If we're not going to be a jack wagon, we need to be well connected with God. And regular prayer is one of the ways that we nurture that. We, we learned that prayer is how we find peace in the midst of, storm, uh, of storms. You know, last week, Jen Sermon was so right on. She, she said that fear is the root of our jack oftentimes, and it is. You know, we're afraid we're going, to, we're going to lose our heritage. We're afraid we're going to, you know, that this is going to happen or that. we become insecure and then we start lashing out at people and we, we start acting like jack wagons. But the way we combat fear is through prayer. In Philippians 4, 6 and 7, it says, uh, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So so Paul's saying, look, don't be anxious about anything. Don't be fearful, but pray. And if you do, this is what he says in verse 7, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Like, guys, we can walk through whatever in the days to come. And if our eyes are on Jesus and our eyes are on God and we are prayerful and we are lifting our concerns up to Him, we can have this supernatural peace that guards our hearts and guards our minds and keeps us rooted so that we're not responding out of fear. We're not responding out of insecurity. And we, when you can respond from that place, that rootedness in God, you can not be a jackwagon even when everybody's being a jackwagon around you. You know what else we learned about prayer? That we learned that prayer comes before revival, and I'm not talking about the revival like the you know we're gonna have five nights of evangelists speak at church uh, between Sunday morning between Sunday morning and Sunday morning, not that, that kind of revival. I'm talking about large social moves where God just moves on a society. And if you look back over the last 2,000 years, you will see there are seasons and there are places where God's Spirit moves and just draws masses of people into a relationship with Him. And it changes the very culture of those countries and those places where that happens. We call them Great Awakenings. We call them Revivals. We call them Renewals. They go by different names, but it's basically the same thing. It is a move of God over a group of people And if you dig a little deeper into that history, what you'll find is that every time there's a group of people praying beforehand. Guys, we need to be that group of people because that is the hope for our nation and for for our future, that God would change our culture and bring people back to Him. We learned that prayer changes the hearts of people. I've heard heartbreaking stories over the last over the last couple of months of, of families that are torn apart over this election like grandparents who aren't allowed to see their grandkids because they're on a different they're in a different political place than their kids and so they're just keeping the grandparents and the grandkids apart and they can't even get along uh, prayer changes the hearts of people guys we need to pray for the people in our lives that that we're either estranged from or there's tension with And ultimately, yes, the way we treat them can change their hearts. We're going to talk about that a little bit next week. But prayer, prayer prepares the ground. Prayer makes all the difference in the world. It's God who changes hearts, not us. So we need to pray. You know, prayer can move mountains. And I believe God is calling us to pray. In fact, like I said, I think it's one of three things that God is calling the church to do in this season, and to not be a jack wagon. <laughs> and and it's, it's the first and most important thing. He's calling us to prayer. Now, back in September, it's why we did the 714 Project. But this week, as I was praying, uh, I felt like God said, do it again. Now, uh, I was, at first I thought, well, just me or, or everybody? And, and what I mean by that is, um, I felt like I was supposed to redraw the Circle, the, the 40-day devotional. Again, one a day for 40 days. Uh, And I felt like I was supposed to pray twice a day on my knees for 40 days. This leads us all the way, almost until December. And as I prayed a little more about it, I felt like God was saying, call the whole church to this. Let's do it again. I I don't know about you, but I need to read a book about two or three times to get everything out of it. And Draw the Circle was a phenomenal book on prayer. Um, And so I'm going to go through it another time. And I want to invite you to do the same thing. I'm I'm calling it 714-LIGHT, all right? So you you don't have to fast, you don't have to find a prayer partner, you don't have to do any of those things, unless you're continuing to do those things, and that's fine. But pray twice a day and redraw the circle again. And let's continue to pray for the situations that we're addressing today. Guys, next week, next week we'll be in part three of this series how not to be a jackwagon, and I can't wait to unpack that with you. We will be in church online, and we will be in church at home. And so if you haven't signed up for church at home yet, please do that now, because you want to go through the times that we're in with other people. We really kind of live in scary times, don't we? We really do. And anxiety, from my, my perspective and the conversations I'm having, is high. Uh, among lots of people. But you know what? We have a God who loves us. He, he, he offers to be our Heavenly Father. He sent His only Son to this earth 2,000 years ago to die in our place, to die in your place, so that you can have a relationship with Him. He loves you that much and jesus said if we place our faith in him and we choose to follow him that the payment that he made on the cross death for the forgiveness of sins is applied to our account and our sins are washed away and we are adopted into god's family and we become his kids more than anything else in the whole world god wants to adopt you into his family and if you have not placed your faith in jesus yet Why don't you do that today? You know that peace that passes understanding? It's not found apart from Jesus. It's not found apart from a relationship with God and being part of His family. And to do that, it's really simple. Just close your eyes wherever you are, bow your head, and just say, God, I want to be part of your family. Would you forgive my sin?" I believe Jesus died on the cross to pay for my sin. Would you forgive my sin? Would you come into my life? Would you live in my heart? And would you lead me? In Jesus' name. Father God, I pray that this week that you would help us to, to shine your light, to show your love, to not be a jack wagon, and Lord, to not look at other people as jack wagons but to be vessels of your compassion, your understanding, your love. Lord, to seek to understand more than we seek to be understood, and to be your agents of healing in the world we live in, in the days that we live in. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us here at The Vineyard. It's our greatest desire to see you find and follow God, and we hope that this podcast has helped you do just that. For more video messages and content, make sure to visit our website, vineyardwheeling.com, or download our app. Again, thanks for joining us this week. We'll see you next time.